This message by Pastor Eric Ludy was given at the church at Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. As a ministry, we desire to see the return of strong, triumphant Christianity in the church today. We make these messages available free of charge for the purpose of strengthening the body of Christ and igniting bold faith in the hearts of believers around the world. The ministry of Ellerslie is made possible through the prayers and financial support of listeners like you. If you have been personally impacted by Ellerslie's messages, please consider partnering with us as we build world changers for Jesus Christ through gospel-centered discipleship. Visit ellerslie.com to learn more. Now, here's Pastor Eric Ludy. Well, the message for today is... One that at Ellerslie, I don't know that I've ever actually shared a message on specifically, even though I've talked about it around the edges many times. When we go through a semester at Ellerslie, we always start with a day called Foundations. And in Foundations, we go through, I don't know what it is, maybe 15 different key themes, verbiage, terminology that we're going to be covering throughout the 12 weeks on campus. And we're creating a common language and a common understanding. And one of them addresses this particular issue that is going to be before us today. Uh, The title is The Wounds of a Friend. Uh, My subtitle, A Study in the Work of Holy Spirit Conviction. You know, when you you see the word wounds, uh, they don't usually get associated with a friend. Uh, and I don't know if we were to say something like the beatings of a friend, uh, I don't know how good of a friend you would consider that one. In other words, friends don't harm you, friends help you. And there's two ways of looking at this. We were discussing this in the back, and it's really interesting. There's a, there's a scripture we're going to build on today in regards to this, but these wounds of a friend actually help you. And there's two different ways that you could look at it, two different lenses. One is that Jesus Christ and his wounds on the cross are your salvation. And so the wounds of that friend and the ones that he bore are literally the greatest blessing you'll ever find in your life. And yet, there's another side to that, and that is that he is, he functions, the Godhead functions as a good father unto us. And God disciplines those he loves. And as a parent, I'm a parent, I am willing to bring a certain degree of difficulty and pain to my children's lives because I love them. It's a strange thing, but the wounds of a friend. And so whichever way you want to look at that, sometimes I am willing to bear a weight upon my life so that my children don't need to bear it. And sometimes I'm willing to bring a pain to my children's lives so I can see them saved. It's a funny reality we live in known as Christianity. But God created the heavens and the earth And he set in motion certain principles, certain laws. And there's ways that bring about life. And ironically, life comes on the far side of death. And it doesn't really make a lot of sense to us. Why can't we just live? Why do I have to die to live? And the same is true with the way that our souls are corrected and built strong and matured, is it oftentimes comes through difficulty, trials, tribulations, and suffering that we mature, that we learn, and that we grow in life. So the word conviction is one of the key words that we're going to deal with. And so in the subtitle, it says, A Study in the Work of Holy Spirit Conviction. And so, I mean, you could trip over the word Holy Spirit in that line. It's like, uh-oh, we've got a Pentecostal gathering here. And no, we're a Christian gathering. And Christians, as far as I'm concerned, last time I checked, uh, we all get to enjoy the Holy Spirit. I know some people have taken them hostage and tried to claim them as their own. But I prefer to just look at it as... 
He's the great deposits, the earnest uh, that has been given us at the cross. And so uh, I'd like to enjoy him this morning. And he brings about something. And in our generation, if you were to say, what does, if the Holy Spirit was to have control over a church, what would he bring about? And some of us would like faint at the thought. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't know what he would do if he had control. Well, here's what I can say. When the Holy Spirit has control, he reveals Jesus Christ. That's what he's about. He's not about getting people to just laugh uh, or bark like dogs or roar like lions or slither like snakes. There's all sorts of weird things going on in the name of the Holy Spirit today. However, I can say that when he comes, he works in us to show us Jesus. He works in us to reveal Jesus through us. He reveals Jesus. That's what he does. So the fact that you even know Jesus today, if you do, is because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has worked in your life to reveal to you Jesus. And so he has a very specific work. When the Holy Spirit is present, if he had his way in this room, there would be something that would be present in every single one of us. And that would be called conviction. If the Holy Spirit had his way, I mean Ananias and Sapphira style, and we had the fear of God freshly upon us as a church, I guarantee you, we wouldn't probably be laughing or barking or slithering or uh, meowing. We would be dumbstruck with the reality of how holy he is and how unholy we are and how much we need the work of that cross to lift us out of our mire into the heavenly realm so that we could live as we ought to to please one such as him. The work of the Holy Spirit. So here's our, well, I have a couple Greek words for you today. We're going to have sort of a Greek lesson today. It'll be fun. But it'll be very low uh, impact. Well, I shouldn't say low impact. It'll be easy entry uh, Greek. Uh, so this is the word elenko. And so you need to actually have a little chich sound at the end of it. But it's elenko. Elenko. Uh, and it means to convict. So the word conviction in uh, the New Testament is this word, elenko. And it means to convict. And oftentimes is even translated as to convince. It's interesting, but this is what the Holy Spirit does. He elenkos. That's what he does. And so he convicts us of our sin. He convinces us of who God is. So he brings clarity to something. You live in a fog bank. So do I. It's called the world in which we live. And unless we have the Holy Spirit... We literally just walk to our destruction. There's a nice cliff edge right here, and we don't even see it. We're walking in a fog bank, and we think everything's just wonderful. And one more step, and... So, what comes into our life but elenko, which is like a wind that blows away the fog, and we see clearly, and we are convicted by the fact that we are headed in the wrong direction. We are convinced that if we took one more step forward, it would be to our destruction. And so what do we do? That elenko leads to repentance. Why would I keep going this way if the elenko has come? If the elenko has truly revealed to me the fact that this way is wrong, I'm going to choose the right way. Because the elenko doesn't just show you where you're wrong. It shows you what is right. And then it enables you to walk in it. And it also means to expose. Well, that doesn't sound very good, does it? You know, if you came up in front of a group and said, hey, I just want to tell you all about this man's hidden sin. It just doesn't sound like the right thing to do. And so the word expose, convict, I mean, the word convince sounds fine. 
But these are not necessarily words we gravitate towards. And yet, we need to learn to love how the Holy Spirit works. Because look at the bottom line here. It says to convict, to convince, to expose, all for a common purpose. What is that? In order to rescue us. In other words, God is going out of his way. And yes, it is to make us uncomfortable at times. Why? So that he could rescue us. You know that God was willing to get uncomfortable to rescue us? Are we willing to get uncomfortable to see his purposes accomplished in this earth? So remember our word, elenco? So I'm going to make that a little easier, and we're going to call her Elaine Ho. Uh, now, there's a, there's a work in Christianity, it's a very unhealthy one, which tries to say that the Holy Spirit is female. And last time I checked in the Bible, the pronoun used for the Holy Spirit was he, capital H. And so I'm not trying to say that the Holy Spirit is a she. It just sort of happens to fit that the word Elaine is a girl's name. So it'd be awkward, ec- extra awkward for all of us in here if I tried to say that Elaine was a boy's name. So we're going to just say Miss Elaine Hull, okay? I'm not necessarily just talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the work of conviction, okay? This is how conviction works. She shares because she cares. So we have, I think I even have, yes, I have her, uh, she has a whole business that she started, Elaine Hull, Life Consulting International. She goes all over the world and does this stuff. But she works with businesses. She works with church leaders. She works with individuals. She works with parents, you have need, Elaine Ho is ready to help, okay? And she's just one of these very interesting ladies. She loves you to death, but the way she loves you, she loves you with straightforward talking. She'll just tell you the way it is. And it's so uncomfortable because Elaine Ho just comes into your house and she just opens up your cupboards and says, what's this? What's going on here? That's not the way you know to keep your house. You thought that I was just going to look at the exterior, but... I'm going to look in the covers. I'm going to open this drawer. What, Elaine, what are you doing? You see, Elaine goes right to that spot in our life that we don't want her to see. And she walks right in her house and seems to have, have a sniffer for it. And goes right back into that closet where you stuffed everything. Remember when your guests were coming over? And you're like, oh, we'll stick it in here. And then Elaine walks into the house. You're like, where, where are you going, Elaine? Where, where are you going, Elaine? And she walks right there. You see, she just knows her stuff. She knows how we think, how we function, how we hide things and justify things. Elaine Ho means business. Elaine Ho Life Consultant International. Speaking it straight to get out the kinks. You see, you have kinks in your life, little twists and knots, and Elaine Ho will speak straight. You know, there's one thing that is off limits, and we're going to call it politically correct. I'm sorry, politically incorrect today. And that is the work of Elaine Hall. You see, as a pastor, I am not to do this sort of work. I am supposed to make you feel good when you arrive here today. I'm supposed to just pat you on the back and say, look, I I just want you to have a high self-esteem. I want you to never feel a farthing of pain and conviction inside of your life. I would never do that to you. And so as a result, I could never speak to you the way you need to be spoken to. And as a result, your life would never change. You see, most of us don't want hard truth. We want something that will tickle our ears and tell us what we want to hear. And as a result, we die in our sin. But Elaine Ho doesn't function that way. She goes straight in and says exactly what needs to be said because she cares. 
what her clients are saying. So I took down a, a few different testimonials from Elaine Ho's consulting uh, work, some powerful uh, feedback. I had a lot more, but I cut it down. I just sort of got some uh, testimonials from different aspects of her work. Okay, so this was uh, a business organization that brought in Elaine Ho. Uh, you know, little did you know that you could bring in Elaine Ho into actual corporate America, but this, this guy did. Elaine Ho has got the moxie. She came into our organization and turned the whole thing around. Her straightforward style at first posed a challenge to us, but in seeing how much she genuinely cared that, what we, would, that we would be a successful business, we started listening. And I'm so glad we did. This lady sure knows her stuff. The guy's name was Jimbo Tart, president of Hedge Trimmings Unlimited. And then we have Carol Thump, the wife of Donald Thump. <laughs> Carol's just a housewife, and so this is going to show you that even Ellen Ho can actually come into marriages and affect marriages, okay? Elaine Ho would not give up on me, says Carol. I originally hired her to help me with my marriage, which was going down the drain. She sat down with me, bluntly told me what was wrong with my marriage and even what I needed to do to change things. I got up and stormed out of the room. I guess I'd been wanting to have her agree with me that my husband was the problem and I was perfectly right in divorcing the jerk. But instead, Elaine showed me where I was at fault. I didn't talk with Elaine for three weeks after that. And yet, Elaine called me every day during those three weeks and simply said, when you are ready to talk again, Carol, I'm ready to help you do this. Her persistence and loving pursuit of me melted my self-justifying exterior. I allowed Elaine to walk me through the recovery process. And today I can honestly say I have a better marriage than anyone on earth. I know Eric Ludy thinks he has the world's best marriage, but my marriage to Donald is far and away the sweetest one out there. Elaine Ho knows how to turn a life around. Listen to Carol. She knows her stuff. She's walked through it, okay? I don't know that I agree with her on the marriage thing, but you know what? She has a lot of good stuff to say. Bill Bobbins pastor at the church at Corinth, but this is Corinth, Mississippi, just in case you're wondering. Ironically, this is very similar to the church at Corinth in the Bible, but that's a different story. Elaine Ho turned our church completely around. So Bill Bobbins, being a pastor, brought in Elaine Ho, uh, submitted to her consulting work, and I tell you what, big impact, as you'll see. We were divided over doctrinal disputes, split due to rampant gossip and ravaged by unforgiveness and unconfessed sin. Elaine sat our elders down and said, guys, let's start right here in this room. She very gently showed us how we had let these things in and how we could get them out. Her gracious manner shocked me as a pastor. I guess I was expecting her to yell, condemn, criticize, and get irritated with us when she saw all our junk. But instead, she was patient and kind. When she saw all our stuff, she sighed alongside, wiped a tear from her cheek, and then said, let's see this church become all that God intended it to be. Are you guys with me? I highly encourage every church to consider allowing Elaine Ho to wield her life consulting skills in their environment. So then we have a mother, a mother who actually allowed Elaine Ho to come in and help her with her parenting. I mean, these, are, these fascinating testimonials. So this is mother of rascally Bradley Moppet, age six. Before Elaine Ho, I was a grumpy parent. My six-year-old got under my skin faster than a chigger. If he looked at me sideways, I would knock him sideways. And the whole while, I felt that I was being a good parent. Exploding with anger, disciplining with rage, shouting threats, and cursing little dude's name at the top of my lungs. Elaine said something that changed my life. Missy, this isn't how your father in heaven parents you. Her tone was soft, kind, and merciful. And the truth of her statement cut me to the heart. I realized in an instant that I was justifying my anger problem under the banner of being a strong disciplinarian. But I was wrong. I saw it. 
After about 20 seconds of sitting silently in the ache of fresh conviction, Elaine whispered, So, Missy, did you want me to help you parent little Bradley the way your Heavenly Father parents you? I said, yes. Simply put, a parent would be crazy not to utilize the amazing skills of Elaine Ho. Bradley and I are now best buds, and I have a newfound grace for loving him and working patiently alongside him. One of the things you're going to note as we go through this is I'm introducing you to the idea of how conviction works. Elaine Ho isn't an actual woman out there. It is a work. It is a work that the Holy Spirit's operation does in our life. And you can use it at the business level. You can use it at the church level, at the marriage level, at the parenting level, at the individual level. And so when you literally come to the Holy Spirit, that work of Elaine Ho begins to operate. However, if you don't understand the working of the Holy Spirit, you will push it away. Because the Holy Spirit is ready to show you how Christ would live if he were in your situation. And so oftentimes what you see then is how you're not being as Christ. And that doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good to see where you are wrong, but the Holy Spirit is not just showing you where you're wrong. He is showing you where you're wrong so that he can show you how to live that which is right. The goal of the Holy Spirit isn't to leave you frustrated, isn't to leave you under the thumb of law and judgment. It's to enable and empower you to live a life that otherwise you couldn't live. You see, we as Christians get two terms mixed up all the time. And I can tell you who's behind that. His name is the devil. When we hear the word conviction, we mix it up with a word called condemnation. And in actuality, they're completely different concepts. And so when you mix those up, what happens is you say, Oh, I don't want any of that conviction stuff. What you mean is, I don't want any of that condemnation stuff. And I don't blame you. I wouldn't want condemnation in my life either. You see, what Missy found in her testimonial is that she, in her parenting style, was bringing condemnation to little Bradley Moppet. And as a result, she, in her own spiritual life, was hearing condemnation. You see, when you don't forgive, you oftentimes seal off and hinder the understanding of how the cross has worked forgiveness for you. You open up the door for what's known as condemnation. When God gives you grace and you stifle it in giving it to others, it actually opens up room for the devil to confound your thinking and your own spiritual life. But when Missy heeds the conviction of Elaine Hall and realizes that the way she is parenting is not the way her Father in Heaven parents her. And she repents and she says, God, I want to parent Bradley the way you parent me. Because you're not chastising me. You're not screaming at me. You're not yelling at me. That's not how you treat me. So God, I don't. if I'm giving condemnation, I want to help Bradley. I want to see Bradley succeed. And the way you train me is with conviction. It's with loving kindness, faithful patience. And God, I want to give that to my son. That's how marriages turn around. That's how churches turn around. You see, we're not known by our condemnation. That's not how you will know my disciples, says Jesus, by the fact that they will be frustrated and critical of each other. You will know my disciples by their love for one another. 
Elaine Ho is the one that does that work in the church. It's the one that shows us where we are not loving and then gives us the power to be loving. So what is conviction? Conviction is the work of truth in the human soul. You let truth run through your life, and what's going to happen? Uh, you're going to have conviction. It's like turning on a light. You know, if, if you had a really messy house, and you turn off all the lights, and it's pitch black, you know, full moon. No, no full moon. It's like one of those little sliver moons, so you can't really see anything. Maybe even have the, the blinds shut. Uh, so you can't see anything in the house. You can tell yourself, my house is pretty clean. I mean, you smell something, like, but then... Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's di- different nose plugs things you can do and put on. And so as a result, you can convince yourself in the dark with your nose plug on that everything's fine. And you can say, just think clean thoughts. Just think clean thoughts. However, your house is a pigsty. And just because you're doing little things like turning off light and living in darkness and plugging your nose so you don't smell the stink does not change the fact that you are living in a pigsty. So when light comes on, it's the equivalent of truth coming on in your life. You turn it on and what do you see? God, I didn't really want to see this. And it's rather painful. You know, when you see heaps of trash in your house and you begin to feel an overwhelming weight, there's a moment of decision. And that is when the law comes in and shows you where you are wrong. You You are vulnerable. And the enemy wants to slide you over into condemnation and say, God will never accept you. Look at that house. But that's not where Ellen Hall takes you. Conviction of the Holy Spirit takes you to the cross and says, but I have a solution for this. Would you like to clean this up? Because I love to make things clean. You see, he doesn't just give you a vision that you should have a clean house, but then empowers you to clean it. So conviction is the work of truth in the human soul. It is often described by those who have invited the truth into their life and listened to its consultation as a sharp stinging sensation on the soul and an acute guilt prick to the mind. Well, I don't know how many of you like a sharp stinging sensation to the soul or an acute guilt prick to the mind. It's like, no, thank you. And yet, this is good. In all of Scripture, this is good. And so what is this? How does conviction work? Conviction works in two distinct ways. To expose the wrong. Uh, You're living in a pigsty, Eric. To help fix the wrong. Conviction always has hope. You see, there's probably a voice that's been badgering you for quite some time. And you don't know if it's from God or not. But it's always pushing you down, always saying, give up. You'll never live this life. Everyone in the church has it together but you. I mean, look at your finances. Everyone else seems to know how to keep a budget. You don't. Everyone else seems to know how to guard their thought life. You don't. Everyone else seems to flourish in their relationships. But look at all your relationships. You see, that's not conviction. There's two voices at work out there. One is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Which always leads you to hope. It leads you to the cross. And what does the cross show you? This was for you. That's what it shows you. This was for you. I bore those wounds on your behalf. And now I'm going to prick you. To awaken you from your slumber. To allow the power of my Holy Spirit 
to take over in your life to fix and mend what is currently out of whack. God brings conviction so that you have hope of a new future. So that you don't need to remain where you are at, but that you can go where God leads you. Condemnation gives you no hope. It leads you to the cliff and shoves you. It says, look at that. You've spent the last 10 years walking in this direction. You might as well keep going because God's not going to accept you now. You even knew that that was the wrong direction. Yet you still chose to do it. You think God's going to accept you? No way. Shove. It shoves you over the cliff. So conviction works in two distinct ways. To expose the wrong and to help fix the wrong. Conviction is the truth laboring to expose wrong patterns and wrong behaviors inside the human life. And it's the truth laboring to help you rectify the problems by setting new patterns and new behaviors in place. So it exposes bad behaviors and gives you power to live out new behaviors. That's what conviction does. Conviction is, get this, good. I know it's really hard for some of us in the modern church to even comprehend because it's like, oh no, 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 no conviction. Conviction, if you don't have it, the Holy Spirit is not working in your life. Simply put, if we don't have it in here, the Holy Spirit is not welcome here. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The only way to be what God intends you to be is you have to allow the Holy Spirit to have his way in your life. The wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. I know, kisses just sound so much more pleasant. However, when you are only being told what is right, oh no, I I could have sworn that I smelled something and I stepped on a banana peel in my life last, no, 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 your life's fine. Your life's fine. I'm sure there's no smells. You have the nose clip on, right? You see, if modern church only tells us that we're fine, you pray to prayer, right? You're okay. And never allows the Holy Spirit to do his work, we're dying while supposedly living. The faithful are the wounds of a friend. As many as I love, I alenho. You know who said that? Jesus Christ. As many as I love, I alenho. The word in the uh, translation is rebuke. As many as I love. So if Jesus loves you, what does he do? He alejos and chastens. Therefore be zealous and repent. It's because I love you, says Jesus. This is a symbol of love. God loves us so much that he sent us alejo as our personal life consultant. Now, I've been a Christian for a long time. See, I mean, ever since I was five, technically, if you want to say that. However, I don't know what to do with the years between when I was five and uh, then when I uh, turned 18 because I wasn't living very hot in that time. So I don't even like to think about it, okay? Just like, I'm just glad I'm past that because in 1990, I gave my life radically to Jesus Christ and my life took on a whole new course. And I talk, talk about the work of the Holy Spirit coming into my life and beginning to show me things that I was doing wrong. I remember that one day I sat down with pen and paper. I said, God, show me. If there's any crooked things in my life that I need to make right, make restitution for, show me. I just started writing. I mean, lie, cheating on tests, lying to my parents. It's just like, God, what do you want me to do with this stuff? 
But God was faithful to walk me through these things. And you could say, well, I'm, Eric, I'm guessing you're probably really glad that's out of the way. Yeah, and then for the next 20-some years, what's it been? Uh, 27 years? So 20, wow. 26? 26 years since that time? Guess what? I still have conviction. I'm still convicted. Freshly this week. In other words, where the Holy Spirit doesn't just do a work and then leave you and say, well, I'm guessing you're fine now. But he's conforming us. He's sanctifying us, which is a process of refining us unto a perfect demonstration of Jesus Christ. There are things you're going to be convicted about 26 years from now. Isn't that an amazing thought? You're like, God, just get rid of all of it now. And he will. He'll bring you to the point of what you're ready to understand and hear today. And he will convict you. Say, Let's start right there. You see, God loves you. And even though there's still work 26 years from now, he loves you. And you can enter into intimacy with him as you heed that Holy Spirit and that work of conviction. He's refining you and showing his life in and through you. For everyone practicing evil hates the light. I mean, for everyone that has a pigsty, they hate the light being turned on. And does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. You know what that word is? Elenho. Lest they come under conviction. I hate that light. I don't want any light in my life. Lest they would come under conviction. What's happened to us as the church where we hate conviction? You know how many times I've written books and the publishers are saying, well, you know, this is a little too strong. What do you mean by that? It's a little too strong. Well, it's going to make people feel uncomfortable. What? What's the good of a book that doesn't make people feel uncomfortable? Could you imagine? Let's not print any more Bibles. Yeah, they're making people feel uncomfortable. That's ridiculous. The whole Bible does that. I, you can read Genesis 1.1 and be like, oh. <laughs> and when he has come, he will elenho, the world of sin. Who? Who will? The Holy Spirit. He will aleho the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Conviction versus condemnation. Conviction. It's the work of aleho. To rescue, to enable success. So, it's the work of the Holy Spirit to expose, to reveal unto you, to convince you of the fact that this is unhealthy. This is hurting you. Here's how we can go to help you. Aleho is gentle. I know it doesn't sound like it at first. A good parent, when they discipline you, is gentle. They do not do it out of anger. And the Holy Spirit does not discipline us and elenho us out of anger, but out of love. He loves us too much to leave us that way. Condemnation. Here's another Greek word for you. You guys ready for another big one? Katakrima. The work of the Katnakrimia organization. So we have two organizations uh, working here. We have Elaine Hall Life Consulting International. Yay! And then we have condemnation. The word in the Greek is katakrima. And for those of you that remember my message on judgment, krima is judgment. And so you have katakrima, the work of the katakrima organization. This is sort of like a mob industry. I mean, they're just like, hey, you owe me a hundred, and if you don't pay it... 
I mean, it's just like they're out for blood. It's a very, very dangerous mob-style organization, ironically, that many of us work for. Okay? I mean, we're so afraid and paranoid today of Elaine Hull that we actually live under this rule. And the whole while we think we're, like, sparing ourselves some pain. Meanwhile, we're under their jurisdiction. Want to know why your life is so miserable? Submit to the Holy Spirit, buddy. The business plans. This is the business plan of uh, basically my short word for it or the DBA doing business as is you are caught. Uh, The business plan of Karakrima is to weigh down, stop progression, bring despair, bring hopelessness, hinder success. It's its entire operation. What is the devil about? To keep you from the cross. To destroy your life, to crush you, to press you down, to hinder you from forward progression. You study the devil throughout the ages. What's he about? He figures out what God's doing and then puts a barrier up. Okay, so look at the land of promise. You guys remember the uh, land of Canaan in the, in the Old Testament? It's the promised land. You've never seen so many evil people hanging out in one territory as you do that territory. 31 hostile nations. It's a little teeny blip on the map. And guess what? Every bit of evil camped out there. Why? Because God said, that's my territory. And so the devil goes, all right, hey guys, here's where we're setting up shop. The enemy has a singular agenda, and that's to hinder the progression of truth, to squelch the light, to turn down the volume of anything that would help you. He wants to destroy you. He stands Totally against the work of light, of truth, one known as Jesus Christ. That cross, that burial, that resurrection. He does not want you to know about it. And if you do find out about it, he wants to twist your understanding of it. Well, you can't go back to that because look what you just did. He wants to destroy the avenue of salvation in your life. If you know that, it actually helps. So this is the business plan of the devil to weigh you down, to stop your progression, to bring about despair, to bring hopelessness and hinder your success. It's a completely different business operation. I don't know if you can tell that just from the start, but I mean, look at its, its logo. I mean, it's just all-out intimidation. You are caught. Remember, it's caught a crema? So you are caught. We'll cream you consulting. That's just how they function, guys. Uh, I mean, you can work for these guys, or you can go with Elaine Ho. I'm just a huge fan of Elaine Ho. And so, I mean, maybe I'm showing my colors here that, you know, just submitting to the Holy Spirit just makes a lot more sense to me. However, I mean, some of you in here are like, but that guy looks tough. Yeah, but he's out to beat you up. It's not that you end up looking like him when you submit to them. You get crushed by him. Choosing the right consulting firm. Did you know that you have to choose one or the other? You're either submitting to one kingdom or the other. One operation or the other. One voice or the other voice. Someone is instructing you. Which voice are you heeding? The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So let's look at the kingdom of heaven. Some sheep. And there's a shepherd. The shepherd has an agenda to do what? To kill the sheep? No, 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 no. To protect the sheep, to supply for the sheep, to nurture the sheep. And so Jesus comes down and says, hey guys, I'm the shepherd. Just in case you're wondering, you might think I'm a threat because you're feeling guilty right now. I'm actually the good guy. He says, however, the thief 
<laughs> you know, the guy out there that's trying to harm these sheep, the thief, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Now, you can submit to the thief and die, and he'll rob you blind. But I'm telling you, says Jesus, I'm the good shepherd. I lay down my life for my sheep. I love you too much to not speak truth to you. So Jesus came and he was the truth. He was the light of the world. But this world loved its darkness. And they tried to turn him off. And that is a light you can't actually turn off. But nonetheless, that's how many of us still function. Same spirit of the age, same spirit of the world. It wants to turn out the light. It does not want to hear the voice of Alen Ho. It does not want the Holy Spirit shining into our life. No, 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 I don't want to see it. I don't want to hear it. And yet when you open yourself up to it, have you ever heard of the two different ways to approach uh, God and the light? One is like this. God, just show me if there's anything in my life. And the other, God, show me. And you can always evaluate at any given moment how you're approaching God. Because some of us pray good prayers. God, just if there's anything in my life, you can show it to me. Have you ever had it? God, speak to me. I- I'm willing to hear. And you're plugging your ear the whole time. You see, you don't really want to hear, but you want to feel that you're going through the spiritual calisthenic to act like you are. Are you submitted to the Holy Spirit's operation, which is the operation of the kingdom of heaven, or are you submitted to the one that's saying, hey, look, you got it all together. You're fine. You know, that same operation has two sides to it. And it's called the you are caught operation. And they will cream you. There is a way that seems right unto all of us down here on this earth. And it leads to death. If we submit to the kingdom of darkness and live in darkness, it leads to death and oppression. The enemy is playing a game with you. And I'm speaking straight to you. Submit to God. That's the only way to live. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Listen to Jesus. I have come that they may have life. That they may have it more abundantly. Why would you not submit to his agenda? He's after your life. And he wants you to have it abundantly. Pain. I know. I know. It's a word that we're not too excited about. The word everyone loves to hate. Pain. You know, we have an entire industry, probably multiple billion dollar industry in this country, just to eliminate pain. We work hard to make sure no one feels pain. And yet, did you know that God built us the way he built us on purpose? Have you ever had, it, had the thought that if we didn't have nerve, a nervous system, it would be very easy to live radically for Jesus Christ? Torture me. Do whatever you want. I won't stop. I'll still confess. And then they like hot iron on your skin. You're like, you're like I won't stop. Yeah, because you don't feel it. However, because, because we have nerve endings, it makes it a little more challenging when they say, and I'll cut off your toes. You're like, <laughs> you see, if we didn't have nerves and we didn't feel pain, we'd be fine. You know that pain is a gift? If you don't have pain, if you don't have those nerve endings, you're going to do a lot of stupid things in your life. You know that one, one of the things, there was a doctor to the leprosy uh, victims in India, I believe it was, and he was describing how leprosy worked. It kills the nervous system. So the nervous system is dead, and as a result, you'll notice that a lot of leprosy uh, sufferers don't have fingers and ears and nose 
because they don't feel the single the signal of alarm when they're being burnt in a fire. Their hand is resting in a fire. They don't feel it. And as a result, rats somehow know when you're missing your nervous system. They'll come up and nibble off your ear in the night. Isn't that weird? And so as a result, they're losing parts of their body because they don't feel. It's like, praise Jesus that we feel. We don't want to feel too much, though. In other words, it's a gift. But most of us have not appropriated that way. We want to deaden all pain instead of recognizing that pain has a good side. There's two kinds of pain. Did you know that? God wields pain. I know it sounds terrible, doesn't it? So does the devil. And they're two very different uses. So pain, the word that you can choose to love. There's nothing wrong with pain. You know that uh, athletes sort of get excited about pain? You ever seen uh, one of those posters like, no pain, no gain? Uh-huh. You have to say it with a uh, type of uh, voice when you say it. But you know, when you go into a gym, you'll hear people yelling, go on, no, receive the burn, come on, growl, go, push, no pain, no gain. That's just part of the gym mentality, right? Could you imagine if us as Christians were like that? All right, conviction, bring it. All right, embrace it. Come on, guys, don't run away from it. Expose your soul to God. Ah. The two kinds of pain. Number one, the pain of the you are caught and now will cream you corporation. You know, the enemy wields pain, and this is the pain that most of us are scared to death of. Because it's an unhealthy pain that drives us into the dirt. And it does not come from heaven. And it's very important that you recognize that. So let's go through this. Condemnation, pain. That weight of despair upon your soul. You have nothing. God will never receive you back. You've gone too far. Concentration camp pain. You know in concentration camps, it's not healthy? These are evil men wielding an evil agenda to try and either get you to talk or to bring you to despair. Dig a hole. Yes, sir. Fill in the hole. Yes, sir. Dig the hole again. Yes, sir. Trying to break you down. That's not how God does it. That's not how he builds his saints. And so what you see is you have something that the enemy is doing is he, and he's wielding something in God's creation known as pain whether it be psychological, physical, spiritual, and he's wielding it against us. Abusive pain, harassment pain, criticism pain, persecution, sickness and disease pain. These are not things that you're going to find when you go to heaven. This is not the way the kingdom of heaven functions. So number two, the pain of a lame hole. Boot camp pain. Well, that doesn't sound very good. You know, there's a very big difference between concentration camp and boot camp. What's boot camp doing? It's building soldiers. And what does it do to do that? You know, it brings them through a little pain. Come on, give me a hundred. However, you're given a hundred, not for no reason. You're given a hundred so that you can have the oomph to fight the enemy. In other words, you're being built strong so that you're more effective in the battle. Athletic pain. If any of you have ever trained as an athlete, there's an athletic pain. There's a burn. I remember some of the worst moments of my entire life were in the midst of some, like, training camp. I remember college training camp for soccer. And I I was told that if I didn't make it past this one finish line, it was, like, first day of soccer training camp, and the coach had said, I'm cutting everyone that doesn't make, and I think it was, like, seven miles in 42 minutes. It was a 
near impossible thing. So I thought, I just pictured, you know, a flat road. The first half was all downhill, and the second half was all uphill. Now, you can do the math on that, but that's some, that's some difficult uh, running there. And so I'm realizing psychologically that I'm not going to make it. And, you know, I'm probably about four miles into it, and I'm on the uphill road back, and I'm dying because I'm moving at a pace that is beyond anything I've ever uh, gone at before. And there's only like two guys in front of me. I'm not thinking the fact that the rest of the team's going to get cut, and that's probably not going to work for the coach. I'm just thinking, I've trained my entire life for this, and I'm about to get cut. But I don't know how to dig any deeper. It was pain at a deep, deep level in my life. I actually remember thinking, I wish I could die. (laughs) I did have that. It was a very real thought. However, that pain wasn't destroying me. It was making me stronger. There's a difference in pain. Athletic pain, even though it's hard at different points, and many of us just want to sit down We want to just say, give me a break. I can't keep going. You ever had one of those trainers? Come on, Looney. Ten more. Ten more. I mean, I can't even hold on to the bar. I'm about to fall down. Ten more. That's ridiculous. That's what's going on in your brain. And guess what? They they don't back down. I said ten more. "Ah." (laughs) Tensile strength pain. I don't have time to go into it. It's the strength of soul. Convicting pain. Pruning pain. You know when you're being pruned, you're being cut back. That was one of my best branches there. (laughs) However, it's a it's a certain form of pain. Discipline pain. You can ask my kids if you know if discipline feels good or, or not. It's not supposed to feel good. At the same time, my kids are happier after they're properly disciplined. Isn't that a weird statement? Because their conscience is cleaned. You see, until a child understands how to fully appropriate the cross, a father or a mother actually brings about a cleansing of their conscience in and through proper discipline. And it actually is wonderful for a child when it's done properly. Growing pain. Hudson had some growing pains this past week. And it's not fun. It's difficult to go through growing pains. But guess what? At least you can think, I'm growing. I'm not shrinking. Could you imagine if we had shrinking pains? Labor pain. Now, again, I have to be always very watchful when I get to a topic like labor pain. I personally have never gone through it, even though I feel like I have. We, we as guys need some credit in this process. I know we don't get a lot, but it's hard uh, to go through it just watching, going, how can I help you? Uh, and, but labor pain, one of the things you know about it is every bit of pain is positioning a baby to come into this world. And it's useful. That's a very important thing for every woman to always hear when they're going through. It's like, no, this is helping. No, we're progressing. It's getting closer because you can't be getting further away. You're getting closer. And so labor pain brings about what? Life. What do these things bring about? Strength, life, health. That's how God's pain works. The benefits of pain. Well, I think you at least can understand that without pain, you're not going to be a great athlete. Without pain, you're probably never going to have any babies in this world. Without pain, you're never going to grow. You see, there's a certain element that is needed for growth, maturity, and development. And yes, it includes something known as pain. But the enemy belittles. He presses down. He resists that growth. But the Holy Spirit prospers growth. You want to grow? Submit to pain, Holy Spirit style. 
the wounds of a friend. I cannot think of a greater friend than our Father in heaven, his Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that has been given to us to accomplish his errands in our life. He has an end. And he loves us so much that he has done the work that he's done for us so that he can save us, so that he can rescue us. Are we willing to submit to his tutelage, to his leadership, so that he can take out of this pile and make something great for his glory? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. You must trust this friend. You must allow this friend to speak. But what's he going to say? Have you ever had that? I mean, some of you that are here for a week of this are like, oh, great. How do, why did we kick it off with this? You see, you must trust this friend. You must allow this friend to speak. See, that's the main thing we want to do is, it's like we want to say, oh, God's my friend, but I don't want to hear anything he has to say to me. Which is why we spend a great deal of time taking the word of God, which was actually the Holy Spirit, by the way, carrying along men to write it, to take that very word that was brought to us by the Holy Spirit and somehow turn down the volume on it. No, we just want to feel our way through Christianity. We don't want to actually know what God has to say about it. Well, if you really want to live, you need to know what God has to say about your life. And to do that, you need to listen. You need to go to the Word of God and say, God, what do you have to say to me? Not like this, but arms wide. Cross position. God, what do you have to say to me? You know that the Holy Spirit will show you? It's funny because some of us are like, God's never spoken to me. Well, uh, we can fix that. Start listening to truth, and you'll find that God is speaking to you, not in the way that you were wanting. You want some like statement like, oh, and I've called you to change the world for me by going over to Afghanistan and standing on a hill. We want to hear something like that instead of, you see that sin? Would you repent of that? Turn over that aspect of your life to me and trust me with it? <laughs> what were you saying about not ever hearing God? You see, God is actually very clear in how he speaks to us. We don't want that clarity. That's why you don't hear him. Because when the word of God is presented to our soul, whether it's reading scripture, whether it's a sermon like this, whether it's anything just in life where something happens and you feel conviction, that is God. The enemy is not convicting you of sin, righteousness, and the judgment. God is God loves you too much to leave you where you're at. So he is desirous to speak to you. If you continue to, to turn away the voice of God, it's like building a callus. And soon you will not be able to hear him. When you feel, when you hear that conviction, your soul receive it. You must do what this friend commands. This is where it gets a little sticky. I mean, it's hard to just hear it in the first place. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, my, the Holy Spirit's my friend. Do you listen to him? Oh, All right, uh, I heard him the other day. Well, did you do what he asked? What do you mean? I had to do it? Well, that's the only way it works. I mean, could you imagine you're walking towards the edge of a cliff, 
And so you say, God, you're willing to speak. I'm willing to hear what you have to say in my life. So he blows away the wind. So you get the very clear message. Eric, one more step and you're a dead man. Well, uh, I would add on to that to heed what he has to say, which is to respond to it and repent. If you don't do that portion, you still die then. Well, good for you for hearing him, but if you're going to hear him, do it. You must allow this friend to rescue you. You ever been to the point where you're like, God, I hear you, and I've tried to do it. I don't know how to. You ever been at that point? Good point to be at. Some of you are like, it hasn't felt very good, Eric, uh, to be at that point. You seem a little too excited about that point for me. You want to do what's right. You're ready to do it. You want to please God, but you can't. You're like unable to do the work of God in and through your life. Well, you're ready for the gospel. You're ready for that same Holy Spirit that has brought you to that point to now carry you. You see, simple rule of thumb in Christianity, you can't live it. You're like, what kind of depressing message is this? Get this big vision and then finish with you can't do it? No, 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 that's not the finish. Dot, dot, dot. Only he can. So the secret to Christianity is to recognize, whoa, whoa, I can't even do this. I can receive your conviction and I can say, yes, Lord, but then I need you, God, to enable this to function. You see, the same one that is showing you where you're wrong is the same one that will empower you to do that which is right. Being about the Father's business. Remember when Jesus was talking about being about his Father's business? So there's two businesses. I introduced them to you. We had Elaine Ho, Life Consultant International. And then we had UR Cots. Uh, it's like Will Creamia Consulting, something like that. I, I forgot the exact name. I don't spend a lot of time in their, their offices. And so I don't know all the details. But being about the Father's business, what is the Father's business? Now, there's a lot of ways that we could say what the Father's business is. I'm going to simplify it for our purposes today. Because it's the kingdom and the glory of the king in a very simple way. But to bring to the cross that the cross might save. So Jesus is about his father's business. What's his father's business? To bring Jesus to that cross that you might be saved. Isn't that interesting? That's what the father was doing. Now, along the way, he did a lot of things. He healed, he turned water into wine, he calmed storms. He was demonstrating power and authority. There's a lot of sub themes and things that God is doing in the Father's business. It's not just a one singular thing. At the same time, that's why I'm going to simplify this. Jesus is about the business of God. He's not about the business of the devil. The thief is about the business of that. And so the thief is up to no good. Jesus is the one that's come to rescue. So what's he doing? He's bringing, the Father is bringing his Son to the cross that we might be saved. Now I want you to focus on this. You are a Christian. Which means, what business are you about? Well, you know, ironically, I mean, we can call it the Father's business. We might as well call it the Father and Son, you know, or, you know, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit business. I don't know how you want to say it, but they're about something. What is that? To bring you to the cross that you might be saved. Ironically, that's what the Holy Spirit's still doing. Now, you're not the one that's going to carry the sin to the world, but you're still coming to that same cross. And when you come to that cross, you are saved. You know, not just once. 
But did you know that all throughout every day of your life, you need to be brought to that cross and you need to see the shed blood of Jesus and realize that's where it happened. Right there. You see, when you slip up and you make a mistake, where's the Holy Spirit want to take you? He wants to take you to that cross and show you the significance of it in your life. Where does the devil take you? Not to the cross. The devil doesn't want you ever to get near that cross. And he said to them, why did you seek me? This is little Jesus talking. Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Didn't you know that we must be about our father's business? Review. The work of conviction. What does it do? It does two key things. To expose the wrong and to help fix the wrong. The work of the word of God. So the word of God is is a key term that we'll be going through. For those of you that are going to be here for a week, we'll go through what this means. But the word of God is in three forms. We have the word of God in text, which is known as the Bible. We have the word of God in person, which is Jesus Christ. And we have the word of God in action, which is what the word of God in person did that perfectly fulfilled the word of God in text. The work of the word of God. What does the word of God in text do? It exposes wrong. And it leads us to the way that our wrong is fixed. You have two covenants. What does the old covenant do? Exposes your wrong. What does the new covenant lead you to? It helps you fix that wrong. It knows the good news. You see, the word of God brings about the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Shows you your need and then gives you the solution. But that solution isn't that you just become a good moral person. It's that you come to that cross and are saved. Jesus, what did he do when he was here on earth? He exposed wrong. And I guarantee you, he was not very popular because of it. He was light in the midst of darkness. And the darkness did not want the light turned on. Their pigsty was preferable in the dark, not with the lights on. And so as a result, even though he exposed wrong, what else did he do? He fixed the wrong. You see, this is the work of God. God does both. If he's not doing these two things in your life, well, we want him to fix our problems, but we don't want him to expose our wrong. You see, to be able to function as a Christian, you need God's word to work the way it must work. The work of a Christian, I know it's going to sound rather shocking that it's the same, The work of a Christian is we are in this world. I know it sounds pretty extreme that we're here to expose wrong. However, we're just supposed to shine light. We're supposed to be light on a hill. And guess what? That doesn't go over too well in a world of darkness. So as a result, when you simply just live your life shining, you don't even have to talk. And you definitely don't have to talk loud like Eric Ludy. You just need to be a Christian. And guess what? It'll expose wrong. Have you ever been around people that just get convicted because you're in the room? And they look at you and go, shut up. You're like, I didn't even say anything. I think you did. I don't know what it was, but you said something. To expose the wrong, but get, get this. And to help fix the wrong. You see, you aren't just shining light. You're also giving them the gospel. You see, we give both. We technically still bear the message that they have a just condemnation over their life. But please, don't stay there. Come to the cross. Come to the cross and be saved. The same work of conviction 
is the same work that we do. The same work of the Word of God is the same work that we do. It's the work of Elaine Hall. We do that work. I know that might sound strange to you, but that's what it says in Scripture. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, says Paul to the church at Ephesus, but rather alenho them. Expose them. Expose the works of darkness, Christians. You're supposed to bring about a conviction in and through the way you live. All things that are alenhod are made manifest by the light. For whatsoever does make manifest is light. So we are Christians. We make manifest. We turn on lights. That's what we do. Them that sin, alenho before all, that others also may fear. Convict, rebuke, expose before all. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. These are letters written to pastors back then, by the way. Paul is writing to Timothy, and you'll see to Titus. He's writing to pastors of how they should lead their flock. They're submitting to the work of Elenho. And he says, preach the word, Timothy. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove. Elenho. Exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Now he's speaking to Titus. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to Elenho, the gainsayers. This witness is true, wherefore elenho them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith. These things speak and exhort, and elenho with all authority, let no man despise thee. It's not just the Holy Spirit that elenhos. It's actually our job. Why? Because the Holy Spirit needs a body. And he's doing his work in this world. And what is he doing? He's exposing, he's convicting, he's convincing, but he's also rescuing. He's helping fix the problem. You have something in your care that can change the world and rescue it. What are you doing with it? Unless the world knows it is dying, it will not receive the work of a physician. Unless you recognize first that you have serious need, it doesn't make any sense for me to give you a solution for your need. I don't have need. You must first know that you are lost before you can be found. Recognizing the two voices, condemnation steers away from the cross towards hopelessness and despair. Conviction steers straight at the cross towards hope and redemption. I want you to begin to identify the voice that has been speaking to you. Some of you have lived for decades under the voice of condemnation. You know somewhere in your mind, because you're still hanging around Christianity, that that's not right. And that you're hoping God doesn't have that as a final conclusion on your life. Like when you stand before the judgment day, that that one thought that just went through your head isn't going through his. That you have no hope to get into heaven. Because you have really blown it here on earth. Even knowing what you ought to do, look what you did. Look at the way you've lived. What's the Holy Spirit doing? He says, come with me. He's not, he's not happy with sin. The Holy Spirit isn't like, yay, sin. When he sees sin in your life, he'll convict you of it and then say, I want to take you afresh to the cross. See that shed blood? That still remains to this very day the only solution for your problem. Will you receive the work of Jesus afresh? Now, instead of going out and sinning again, why don't you allow me to help you fix this so that you can begin to live the way you ought to live? However, the Holy Spirit does not bring you under condemnation. That is not the work of the Holy Spirit. 
repel the condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are, af- which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. If you are walking after the Spirit, and you are in Christ, you have come to Jesus Christ by faith, and He has become your clothing. You have put your confidence in Jesus. Well, there's no condemnation there. It's a location that is absent it altogether, which is why you are now in a position mentally to know, I shouldn't accept that. I shouldn't accept that condemnation. You see, when I hear the voice of condemnation, you know what I do? I ask God if I'm walking in condemnation towards others. Because that voice seems very loud to me. And I know that I'm not under condemnation, but why am I hearing it so loudly and why does it seem so believable right now? Because every one of my faults seem to be, seems to be, the enemy seems to be, have a PhD on my faults. You ever notice that in your life? It's like, boy, he knows a lot. You see, when I am functioning a critical spirit towards others or I'm being harsh towards others, suddenly I'm creating a breach in the wall of my life and that voice sounds true. And so I come, instead of just saying, hey, no, no condemnation, which I do do, but I say, God, is there any way that I'm functioning with like that Roman soldier with the fist? Am I functioning with that harshness towards others? Am I walking in unforgiveness? Am I walking with a lack of tenderness and love and grace? If you have been under a thumb, I want you to know two things. First, the Holy Spirit doesn't put you under a thumb. He'll convict you to get you out from under it. His desire is to bring life to you. And the truth will set you free. So allow the truth to have its way and to turn on the light in your life. Secondly, when he convicts you and when he comes in, he will show you why the enemy's voice seems so true to you. So you need to allow him to speak. Don't just shoo away conviction in the process of getting rid of condemnation. Say, God, but I still submit to your voice. What do you have to say in this situation? And I have found that even though the enemy is bringing condemnation, and I can stiff arm that, that sometimes the Spirit of God in that same situation is saying, but Eric, there is something here that I want to speak to. And so, you don't heed the voice of the devil. You heed the voice of the Holy Spirit. Receive the conviction. Resist the condemnation. Receive the conviction. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art elenhod of him. I added the ed on the end, by the way, for those of you that wondered how in the world I got that uh, out of the Greek. You see, you're not supposed to faint or despise. Faint when you're being convicted, nor despise that correction from God. Some of you have been despising that correction. You have not been receiving it. You classify all things that are painful as devilish. Some of you have been under the pain, and it's not just God's correction, the Holy Spirit's conviction, but you have, you're being piled on. And the enemy is weighing you down. You're listening to everything. And anything that sounds painful just must be right because you stink and you know it. And so as a result, it's like the dog pile in the football game where everyone just sort of piles on and you're at the bottom, like crushed. You need to know the truth. 
in this situation. The only way to get that is to come to the Holy Spirit and say, God, I need to know who I am in Christ. I need to know the way you see me, and I need to know what that cross means to me afresh. If you know what that cross means, and if you know what that shed blood means to you today, the enemy's voice has no stickum power in your life. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now have I kept thy word. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. What a strange statement. It is good for me that I've been afflicted. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before I received conviction, I was headed over a cliff. But now I have kept thy word. What does that mean? He's spoken. I've repented. I heeded what God said. It is good for me that I have been afflicted. It is good for me that I've been convicted. It is good for me that I've felt this slap against my soul, this prick in my conscience. It's good. This isn't a bad thing. That I might learn thy statutes. That I might walk in the way of God. That I might have unhindered intimacy and relationship with him without that sense of guilt that keeps us from his presence. You see, the shed blood of Jesus has offered us everything we need to walk boldly into the throne of grace. So if there's anything that's keeping you out, anything that is hindering your approach to that throne, it's not coming from God. God is wanting to show you what it is to see it removed and corrected in your life and to save you from the downward-pressing boot of the enemy. The enemy will take your sin and use it against you. Let God take it and bring you to the cross. We hope you have enjoyed this message by Pastor Eric Ludy, delivered at the Church of Ellerslie in Windsor, Colorado. Feel free to make copies of this message, but do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without expressed written permission. For more information about us or to help support the ministry of Ellerslie, we invite you to visit us at ellerslie.com, E-L-L-E-R-S-L-I-E.com. Please know that you are not alone in this battle for truth, and we are cheering you on down the narrow way of the cross.